Luke chapter number 18, always grateful for the opportunity to, uh, to preach and uh, to stand in the pulpit here and just very thankful for what the Lord allows us to do. Amazed, really, if you think about it, just really amazed. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be very transparent with you this morning. This uh, past Saturday, uh, my son Calvin gave a little brief devotion uh, there in our uh, bus meeting. It was kind of an impromptu thing, something from his personal study, and it came out of this passage, and as he was talking about it, I said, boy, I like that. I'm going to develop that into a message, and then on Monday, the uh, pastor said, hey, I'm going to have you preach on Wednesday, so it worked out really well. Uh, so if you don't like it, you blame Calvin, all right? <clears throat> if you like it, you, you may be sure to tell him good job. He didn't give an outline, so don't get nervous. I didn't plagiarize everything, okay? Uh, Luke chapter number 18. It's interesting, pastor right now is preaching a series through Philemon. And much of, the, much of the letter to Philemon really is, really is a call to Philemon. Hey, Philemon, it's time to live out your Christian faith. Amen. This is going to be a difficult task. It's time. It's time to live out. It's time to take that faith that you have trusted in. And now it's time to transform it into daily life. And uh, I've titled the message tonight, A Reminder from Jesus. A Reminder of Jesus of what the Christian life is all about. It may look different today than it did back then. But it has not changed. I want to repeat that. It may look different than today. No doubt it does. But it has not changed. The main thing is still the main thing. Look with me in Luke chapter number 18. And we're going to begin reading in verse number 35. And it came to pass that as he was come nigh unto Jericho, a certain blind man sat by the, way, uh, sat by the wayside begging. And hearing the multitude pass by, he asked what it meant. And they told him that Jesus of Nazareth passed by. And he cried, saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And they which went before him rebuked him, that he should hold his peace. But he cried so much the more, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood and commanded him to be brought unto him. And when he was come near, he asked him, saying, What wilt thou that I shall do unto thee? And he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Receive thy sight, thy faith hath saved thee. And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise unto God. Now hold your place there in Luke, and turn with me to Matthew, Matthew chapter number 19. We'll make a few remarks here, just by way of introduction and giving some context, really. In many ways, when we think about teaching God's Word, we're, we're, we're trying to inform, we're trying to learn, we're trying to dig out some truths. Uh, much, of, much of preaching God's Word is, is to bring us to a point of decision. And, and, and many times, at, at any, any given time, you, you'll see a little bit of both uh, from behind this pulpit. In, uh, in preparing for our biblical counseling uh, course in HBI, we're confronted with the reality that someone is seeking biblical counseling because... Uh, because they're, they're having an issue, either the relationship has been hindered, either that relationship with God has been hindered, or a relationship with their fellow man has been hindered. And they're seeking counsel from God's Word, and they're coming to that. And preparing for this, I, we, we thought about this idea of, of counseling. The idea of counseling is, is we're bringing about a, a substantial change. We're, we're, we're bringing about a change, and this change is brought about by the ministry of the Word of God, it's blessed and enlightened by the Holy Spirit of God to bring us closer into the likeness of Jesus Christ, all to the glory of God. That's what we're trying to accomplish. 
in many ways, in many ways, we're going to see here in just this passage, Jesus is pouring into the life of his disciples. They're confronted with day-to-day situations that are revealing some intents of their heart that Jesus really needs to correct. They, they need to make some kind of change here, and we'll see this as we look through this. So our, our, text, our text actually comes on the heels of, of, of the, just the, the normal, everyday busyness of Jesus' earthly ministry. And the reality is, at some point, at some point, our walk with God should evidence itself in the Word of God being fleshed out in our life. We should be, we, we should, it should be evident that we're living according to a different standard than what the world would have. We're, living to a, we're, we're, we're adhering to, to a different model than what the world might have. Jesus uses everyday ministry to glorify God, to serve others, and to mentor his disciples. And, and, and it's interesting how these various, these various situations leading up to this miracle, these various situations, Jesus is using them to reveal the intentions of the hearts of, of some of the followers and even some of his very closest followers. Look with me in Matthew chapter 19. And look with me, verse number 13. We see here, there was brought unto him little children, that he should put his hand on them and pray, and the disciples rebuked them. They straightly charged them. They rebuked them. They, 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 they uh, spoke, spoke r- uh, harshly to them, to, to, in, in many ways to, to turn about what they're trying to do. There, there, there's, a, there's a stern rebuke here. Notice Jesus' response. Jesus said, suffer little children. And forbid them not to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he and laid hands on them and departed thence. So why is this so important? Well, this, this situation was a commonplace thing that happened in everyday life through, through Jesus' ministry. And this situation has revealed uh, some things in the heart of his followers. Did they not have a value on children? Did they, did they think that somehow that Christ was too busy? Did they somehow think that somehow they could manage Jesus' calendar better than he could do it himself? We're not sure exactly what, but, but the reality is Jesus is correcting them. He's using this situation to show them something. That word rebuke, it means to censure. It, it means to forbid or straightly charge. It also means to chide or to, to, to reprehend for a fault, to silence them. Now think about that. In the presence of Jesus, the disciples are taking this and, and, and they're using this as a way to somehow, uh, it's, it's revealing something, uh, some, some flaw in their heart, some sin in their heart. God often brings things to pass to reveal the intentions of our heart. I can't, I can't blame it on everybody else. I can't say, well, they made me that way. Well, no, not really. They didn't make you that way. You were already that way. They just helped reveal what was already in your heart. That's the reality of it. And this situation, Jesus is using it. He's using this. Uh, continue on here. Look at verse number 25 of chapter 19. We see here uh, the uh, uh, leading up to verses uh, 16 down through, uh, through 24. This is the rich young ruler. And uh, Jesus uh, you know, makes a comment here to him. He, he went away sorrowful. And Jesus said, look at verse number 23. Verily I say unto you that a rich man can hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Now watch this. When his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus beheld them and said to him, With men these, this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Now here's the intention of the heart. Look at verse number 27. And right next to this verse, I put next to my, in my Bible, uh, uh, our favorite radio station, WIIFM. What's in it for me? What's in it for me? We all, we all tune into this radio station. We all follow this channel 
faithfully. What's in it for me? That's what, that's what Peter says. Look what he says here, verse 27. And Peter said to him, Behold, we have uh, for, forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? This is a commonplace situation that is revealing the intents of the heart. If, if you look at the, the, the same, the same uh, uh, time frame in, in, in uh, the Gospel of Mark, you'll find here that, uh, uh, that uh, uh, James and John's mo- mother, she's trying to find a place for them in the kingdom. They're worried about them. They're worried about what's going to happen to them. Again, continuing on here in Matthew chapter 20, we see the parable of the laborers. Verses 1 down through verse number 16. All, all of this is on the heels of this miracle. All this is on the heels of, of God getting to do something great, the busyness of ministry. God's using these everyday situations to reveal the hearts of his followers and even his most faithful disciples. We see the parable of the laborers, uh, uh, chapter 21, verse 16. Uh, we recognize from this parable there's work to be done, there's rewards to be earned. Laborers to be hired. And now we find here verse number, verse number 20. There it is in Matthew uh, chapter 20, verse number 20. Then came the mother of Zebedee's children and her sons worshiping him and desiring a certain thing of him. Again, what's in it for me? What can we get out of this? Because can we, can, they, they hear the, the, the parable of the, of the man getting the same reward in the 11th hour. It's almost as if to say, how many of you have ever gone to a fellowship and you go uh, and, and you, you get your dessert and save your seat real quick before you get in line? Am I the only one that's done that? I know quite a few. There should be more. Come on. There should be more hands up than that. You get that dessert and you go park it down and then you get, then you get in line because you don't want to miss that. Well, that's, that's kind of what's going on here. They're, they're wanting to find their place. Where are we going to be? Because wait a minute. If somebody in the 11th hour gets the same reward as someone that labored all day, we might miss out on this thing. Again, this is a commonplace situation in the day-to-day ministry of Jesus Christ that is revealing the intentions of the heart's of his followers. All the while, while all of this is going on, they somehow overlook Jesus talking about Calvary. Look in chapter 20, verse number 17. Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, took the twelve disciples apart in the way and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death. And shall deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify him. And the third day he shall rise again. Now think about this. While all of this is going on, they're middle, in, in, in the midst of this, this busyness of life, they're, they're missing, they're missing some, some lessons that Jesus has given to them. And they're, they're missing the, uh, the heart of the gospel where Jesus tells them, listen, I'm going to Calvary. And that brings us, that brings us to this miracle. And when I think about this miracle, I, I couldn't help but think about our ministry. At Cleveland Baptist Church. We're always busy. There's always something going on. I mean, you miss, it, you miss a day around here, you might as well miss two weeks. There's always something going on. And we love it. We love it. The, the school keeps us busy. Uh, the, the, the church keeps us busy. Outreach. There's always things going on here. In just a few weeks, we're going to start up our, our adult Bible fellowships. That first Wednesday of September. And we'll have the, the adult Bible fellowships based on your age and stage. And, and so we've got new teachers, teachers coming back up and, and getting classes going. Uh, we have, uh, uh, we'll start a, a, the, uh, the uh, fall semester of HBI. That's going to be starting back up. And it won't be long before we're going to soccer games and volleyball games and basketball. And life is just going to get busy. In the midst of busyness, I believe Jesus is wanting to teach us something. In the midst of busyness, I believe he's giving us a reminder of what the Christian life is really all about. So four things we'll look at here and we'll be done. We'll look at the request. We'll look at the response, the result, 
and our responsibility. Notice again the request. Look back in Luke chapter number 18 and verse number 35. Luke chapter number 18 and verse number 35. And it came to pass that as he went nigh unto Jericho, a certain blind man sat by the wayside begging. Now, if we look at Matthew and the same account in Matthew and Mark, uh, we'll find there's, there's, there's actually two blind men. I don't know why, why Luke uh, wants to focus you know, primarily on Bartimaeus here. Uh, you, Mark actually calls him Bartimaeus, excuse me. And I, I don't know why Luke talks about just the one. It's just, it's just how it is. But we know there's two blind men here. And they, these, these, are not, these, are, these are not men that can go out and earn a living. These are not men that can go out and provide for their families. In many ways, their, their life is, is, is accustomed to every day just begging on the compassion of, of people, and that's just how things are going to go. We uh, had the great opportunity to meet a, uh, a young lady here uh, Sunday that's riding our bus, and she's a blind lady uh, moving up here from South Carolina, and uh, she's got a job, and she's living downtown Cleveland, and she's, uh, it's amazing what she can do. And she was born blind. She's never seen a sunrise. She's never, she, she, she doesn't know colors. And, and uh, you know, she, I, I have to guess maybe in her, in her mid-20s, and, and she's got a job working with training blind people how to use technology. Amen. And I'm amazed by that. I'm amazed by that, that she can, that she can function and she can live and just do that. It's amazing. And, and, we, and we know that, uh, that this is just, uh, uh, you know, she, uh, other, other uh, of her senses are, are going to be heightened. We, we know all that. But it, but it still has to be a difficult life. And I think about uh, her life today, it, it can't be anything like it was back then. They didn't have those things. And because, because of living the life as a beggar, no doubt, uh, in, in, in this day, they probably wouldn't have looked very well. Uh, they, they may not have uh, had smelled very well. There probably would have been some things that kind of, uh, that kind of would have made you want to brush them off. There, kind of, there, there would have been some things about them that you'd rather just not get too close, get too involved in it. I mean, that's just kind of how that goes. They, they, they're going to sit on the wayside. This is what we expect from them. And their request, their request is, is coming to Jesus. Their request is coming to Jesus. And, and it's interesting, when you read some of the, the, the other accounts, it's referred to as Jesus of Nazareth, right? We see this in verse number, 30, uh, verse number 36. And hearing the multitude pass by, they asked what it meant. And he told them that Jesus of Nazareth passed by. Now, I, I don't know, you know how many other people were claiming to be the Messiah back then. We know, according to Acts chapter number 5, when, when the, the apostles were brought before, uh, I think it's Gamaliel, he said, listen, just, just let this go. This will work itself out. This isn't our first rodeo. We've seen this before. We've had other people claim to be the Messiah, and they had their followers, and it washed out. If this is really of God, it'll last. Boy, was he right. And we look, and we, so, so they, they say, well, Jesus of Nazareth passed by. And immediately they cry out, thou son of David. They recognize that this is not just another, another prophet. This is not just someone claiming to be the Messiah. This truly is the Messiah. The request is from these two blind beggars to Jesus, the one who can provide, who can fulfill this need. It's a request for mercy. They're asking for mercy. Can we think of any other place that's better to ask for mercy than Jesus Christ himself? Is there any other place to go for mercy is, is there a better place to go for mercy? So, so we, we see the request. Uh, they recognize Jesus here. This is an opportunity we have. Uh, it, notice the response. Look at verse number 39. Notice the response. And they which went before him rebuked him. 
that he should hold his peace, but he cried so much the more, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood and commanded him to be brought unto him. And when he was come near, he asked him, saying, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? And he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. As we look at this story, we see there's different characters involved. Number one, within this response, we see the response of the crowd. Notice the response of the crowd. They rebuked him. They rebuked him. Hold your peace. Jesus, is, this, is, this is not for you. You stay over there. You do what you're supposed to do. Jesus is a, is a man on a mission. He's got other things to do. He, you're just not quite important enough to get Jesus undivided attention. And they rebuked him. Now, we don't know who made up those followers. Again, we don't know if the disciples were part of that rebuke or if it's just the, just the, the, the crowd of people. But either way, we find here that these, these, this crowd of people, their response to hearing these blind men cry out, their response is, not now. It's not convenient now. This is not for you. This is meant for someone else. Again, that's their response. Notice the response of the beggars. As soon as they're told to hold their peace, they cry out the more. They will not be denied. They cry out the more. Jesus, now son of David... Have mercy on me. It's, a, it's an opportunity that they can see. I, I take it back. They can't see it. They're blind. But they can sense that it's, it's, it's slipping through their fingers. This is our chance. No doubt they probably heard some things about Jesus. They call him the son of David. They believe in the, the Davidic covenant that, that, uh, the, of the line of the tribe of Judah, that, that someone would sit on, on David's throne. They, 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 they recognize that when they call him the son of David. So the, the, the crowd's response is, is to rebuke them. The crowd's response is, hey, listen, just keep quiet. This really isn't for you. You're, just, you're not quite in the right crowd right, there, right now. The beggar's response is, we're going to cry out the more. There's an opportunity here. I have to get a hold of this. Notice Jesus' response. Notice Jesus' response. Look with me again in verse number, uh, verse number 40. Jesus stood and commanded him to be brought unto him. Jesus' response was, bring them unto me. Uh, hold your place here. Look in uh, uh, Mark chapter number 10. Actually, I lied. Go to Matthew 20. I believe it's in Matthew 20 where it uses the word compassion. Matthew chapter number 20. There it is. Notice Jesus' response in Matthew number 20, chapter 20. He says, what will ye that I shall do unto you? Verse number 31. They say to him, Lord, that our eyes may be open. Here's Jesus' response. He had compassion on them and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. Jesus' response was compassion. Could it, could it be that in the, midst of, in the midst of all the busyness of ministry, in the midst of different situations, revealing some some of the, the intentions of our uh, of the hearts of his followers, could it be that that Jesus, as as he's as he's teaching them the uh, the, the reminder of, of the Christian life, could it be that he's calling them to compassion? Jude verse number twenty two says, "And of some have compassion, making a difference." I remind you of Psalm one forty five verse number eight. He was uh, full of, he, he's, he, the, the Lord is gracious, full of compassion, slow to anger, and of great mercy. He's full of compassion. That word compassion means to, to have bowels yearn, to pity, to, to, to be moved with compassion. 
It's a suffering with another, painful sympathy, a sensation of sorrow excited by the distress or misfortunes of another. Jesus showed compassion. Matthew chapter 9, verse number 36, but he saw the multitudes. He was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Matthew chapter 14, verse 14, and Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them and he healed their sick. Mark chapter 1, verse 41, and Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him. And say to him, I will be thou clean, when the leper came to him, seeking to be healed. In Mark chapter 6, verse 34, Jesus, when he came out, saw much people, and was moved with compassion toward them, because they were as sheep, not having a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. Jesus interrupts a funeral procession in Luke chapter 7, verse number 13. And when the Lord saw her, the mother, he had compassion on her. And said unto her, Weep not, and we know that he would, he would bring that man back, young man back to life. Luke chapter 10, verse number 33, and the story of the Good Samaritan. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. Luke chapter 15, verse number 20, and he arose and came to his father. The, the story of the, uh, of the prodigal son. He arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion. And ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Jesus is, he, he's given a reminder here to his disciples. And by way of scripture to us, he's given us a reminder of what the Christian life really is all about. And I would submit to you that a life lived without compassion is not the Christian life. Now we know we cannot lose our salvation. But it is possible, it is possible to be a believer and not to be a follower. It is possible to be a believer and not be, a, be Christ-like. No, I, don't th- I don't believe you'll stay in that state for a long period of time. A life lived without compassion is not the Christian life. I believe Jesus gives us this story tonight to call us to compassion. Because there's people all around us that are blind and begging. And crying out. And need help. And Christ has commanded us. He's commanded us through the local church to go out in the highways and hedges and compel them. He's commanded us to go out and to teach all nations. He's commanded us to go out even to the uttermost. So we see, we see the request. We see the response. Notice the result. The result is, is pretty self-explanatory. The result is they're healed. Both of these men, obviously in our account in Luke, is just talking about the one man. But when we read in Matthew and we read in Mark, we find there are two men here. They're both healed. The, the Bible says here in, in, in Luke's account, in verse number 42, Jesus speaking here, he says, Receive thy sight, thy faith hath saved thee. This is saving faith that's been exercised. This, we read in, again in, in Matthew and Mark, he says, Jesus' words there, he says, Thy faith hath made thee whole. Notice, notice the result. The result is in verse number 48, and immediately he received his sight, and watch this, he followed him. He followed him. Glorifying God. What does that mean, glorifying God? Hold your place there in chapter 18. Look with me in, verse, in chapter number 17. We get a beautiful object lesson. We get a beautiful picture of what it means to glorify God. We talked a little bit about this the last time we preached, this idea of, having, of being thankful 
Look with me in verse number 15. This is the ten lepers that come, and they're all healed. One of them turns around, verse number 15. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, and with a loud voice glorified God, and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answered, he said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? They are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. The result is these men are healed. The result is their faith has saved them. The result is that, that they're, they're glorifying God. And we see here, back in our account in, in Luke chapter 18, verse 43, the Bible says, And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise unto God. More people are praising God because of the work that Jesus has done. You kind, you kind of get the idea, if you uh, hold your place here, look at Mark chapter number 10. I want you to see this in this account in Mark chapter number 10. The Bible says that they followed him. But notice, notice the, um, uh, Jesus, his, his, uh, his statement to them here in Mark chapter number 10. Look at verse number 52. This is the same account uh, in Mark chapter 10, verse 52. Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. So Jesus said, listen, you can go your way. Your faith has made you whole. And he says, no, no, I'm going to follow you because I want to be in the way. That's the result. That's the result. We see, we see the request. We see the response. We see the result. Uh, they're healed. Uh, their faith has saved them. They're glorifying God. People are being praised. They're making a choice. They're making a choice to follow the Lord. It's almost as if something has changed their lives to the point that if we could ask them, they may even tell you this was their greatest day of their life. They may even tell you that because of what Jesus has done, why would, I, why would I not want to follow him? Now, what about us? What about us? What was the, when was the greatest day of our life? Wasn't it when Jesus saved your soul? Wasn't it when you realized that you were lost without hope? Wasn't it when you realized that you could, by faith and repentance, call upon the Lord for salvation and, and, and to know that your sins are forgiven, to know that you have a, re, a right relationship with God? Because as we look at this, we're getting a reminder from Jesus. We're getting a reminder of Jesus of what the Christian life is all about. And again, I remind you, things certainly look different, but nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. We, 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 we're still called to compassion. So we looked at, we looked at the, uh, the request, the response, uh, the result. Notice the responsibility. The responsibility. The, the, this reminder of what the Christian life is all about comes with a responsibility. And I, I would summarize it in this way. As we, as believers in Jesus Christ, as we follow Jesus, we are to love people where they are and help them get to Jesus so that they too can follow the Lord. Look, turn, uh, turn your Bible to 1 John chapter number 4. I want you to see this. Uh, uh, don't just take my word for it. In that, in that summary statement. But I want you to see this in Scripture. In 1 John chapter number 4. If Jesus is giving me a reminder, if Jesus is calling me to the Christian life, is calling me to serve and to follow Him, I, I, I have to ask myself, I have to, who am I hearing crying out for God? What beggars do I see? What beggars do I hear? Who am I helping come to Jesus? That was the command that Jesus gave. Jesus commanded them. He said, bring them, bring them to me. 
Look in 1 John chapter number 4 and verse number 7. Again, as we follow Christ, we are to love people where they are and help them get to Jesus so they too can follow the Lord. 1 John chapter number 4. Look with me in verse number 7. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the uh, propitiation for our sins. Now, you're right there in uh, chapter 4. Look at chapter 5, verse number 1 and verse number 2. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, that we love God and keep his commandments. Could it be tonight that God is calling us to compassion? Could it be that in the, in the busyness of ministry, in the busyness of responsibilities and obligations and accountability, those are all great things. I'm not discrediting any of those things. But could it be that God is calling us to remind us that, hey, we still need to have, be a people of compassion. If we're going to live the Christian life, we must be. The poet Emma Lazarus wrote the New Colossus. This is engraved on the base of our Statue of Liberty. And part of this uh, uh, poem says, Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, the wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless, tempest-tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. As I read that, I, I, see, I see black and white uh, uh, videos. Uh, again, I'm kind of aging myself a little bit here, but I can remember going to school. when the, If you want to watch a video in class, the teacher had to go down to the librarian and reserve the projector. And the projector had two wheels on it, and the film was on it. And we knew that was, it was film day, and that was also goof-around day for some of us. Um, but I, but I, I, in my mind, as I read that, I, I, I can read that, and I can see, I can see thousands of people Coming to the shores of America. And I, and I think of the, again, we're talking about you know, uh, immigrants coming into our country uh, through, the, through the right way. I'm not trying to get political here, but I'm just, I'm just simply saying to you that as we look at this, there, that, that does, when I read that, that does something to my heart. It just reminds me of the fabric of America. And this melting pot of so many cultures and so many people. And, and, and it does something. Well, wait a minute. Don't, don't we as believers in Jesus Christ... Don't we have a greater call to freedom to proclaim? Not, not, just, not just freedom from tyranny, not just freedom from, 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 from government. No, we, we have an eternal freedom. We have a much greater proclamation that has been given to us by the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus took a moment here in the day of ministry and he says, listen, with all this business going on and we're revealing things and we're drawing you closer to be more and more like me, I want you to remember what the Christian life is all about. And you better get this, it's compassion. It's compassion. We need to be compassionate. It's a reminder. As we follow the Lord, we're to love people where they are. We're to help them get to Jesus so that they too can follow the Lord. I think it would do us well tonight to make a commitment to do more for the Lord tonight. Even in the midst of busyness, 
Even in the midst of all that goes on around us, we have to recognize that there are people around us, and they may not be audibly begging, but their lifestyle is telling us, I'm confused and I need help. Their lifestyle is calling out, will someone show me the truth? Will someone show me the way? And I submit to you today that God has called us. God has called us to do that. I'm finding as I get older, I do more and more things that are not very exciting. And I'm, in, I'm, uh, I'm entertained by it. I've enjoyed watching birds here recently. We've gone to my parents' house. And they, uh, my mom will turn 70 this, this month. My dad turns 70 in May. And I'm amazed at how much money they fork out for all these birds and these squirrels. And uh, so we're making fun of them. And as a family, we're talking behind their backs, as good families would do. And, and we showed up one day. And I sat down at their dining room table. And I was, I was like a kid again. I loved it. It was amazing. They had all these different kinds of birds coming in, six or seven different kinds of birds. Then an Oriole came. An Oriole, a Baltimore Oriole. They're playing good baseball this year. I can plug that in there. But, um, but an Oriole came. And I've, I, 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 Orioles in Ohio? I had no idea. And my, my dad had a, a special feeder. It's an orange feeder. And they like grape jelly and they like oranges. And he put a little ledge on the side of it so they can sit comfortably and they can eat that. And I liked that. And I was, I was, I was just, I, I'm telling you, I felt like a kid again. And then I like, like, this isn't very cool, man. Step up. Let's go, you know. <laughs> well, for Father's Day, my family got me an Oreo bird feeder. <laughs> come on. In Cleveland, am I going to get a Baltimore Oreo to come to my front porch? In Cleveland, Ohio? Get out of here. The second day. Watch this. The second day, I had a beautiful Baltimore Oreo come to my house. Just this morning, I have a, a, a new habit now. I, my, I'm losing some space down in the basement to uh, uh, older boys coming in the house. And so I'm, I'm in, the, in the living room drinking my coffee, doing my devotion time. And I have, uh, I have a mama and a, and, a, and a dad coming. And I had, had two little teenage Orioles come. Yeah, I didn't know they're teenagers. Well, I just, that's my opinion. And uh, it's amazing. Now watch this. They've always been there. They've always been there. There were, there, were no, there were no assignments in the, in the cloud that said, hey, Ridgeland Avenue has an Oriole feeder. That, that didn't happen. Those birds were always there. I never noticed them until I finally had something that they were looking for. Until I finally had something that drew them in. You know what they have to do? They have to build up their energy. They're going all the way down to South America. I'm amazed by this. There are people all around us we don't take the time to see them. They're blind. They're begging. And we have the truth. Could it be tonight that God's calling you to put a bird feeder out on your front porch? For some lost soul. For some lost soul to see somebody that cares about them. Someone that shows them some compassion. Even though the world is telling them we're done with you. Even though the world says you're so messed up, you're a lost cause. Even though the world says everything about you is backwards. You're on that side of the political aisle. I'm on this side. There's 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 a great chasm in between. We'll never see eye to eye on this. You do your thing and I'll do mine. I'm telling you today, God is calling me to be more compassionate. To people that don't believe the same way that I believe. People that don't look the same way that I look. People that don't go to the same church that I go to. Would God, he's, he's reminding us to be more compassionate. Amen. 
If we live a life without compassion, we cannot, we cannot live a Christian life. Could it be tonight, perhaps, perhaps, the Lord is calling us to be more compassionate. Calling us to get involved in the bus route. Calling us, the Great Commission is closing up, we're done for the summer. No, no, calling us to go pass around gospel tracts in the mall. Calling us to, to go, go knock some doors in our neighborhood. Calling us to, to get involved in, 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 in some type of outreach. Calling us to serve in ministry. Calling us to, to full-time ministry. Maybe someone here tonight, God's calling you to full-time ministry. I'm amazed by this. The Christian life is marked by compassion and obedience. In my own life, I, sometimes I can get the obedience down pretty good. I've gotten better. Let me say it that way. The compassion. I need to work on that. And I submit to you, the two go hand in hand. If we're compassionate, we'll be obedient. If we're obedient, we'll be compassionate. Let's pray.